You are listening to Doc Watson's Boxing Update in association with Primal Radio. All right, Primal Radio, we are back again. Amazingly enough, Tom, what is up, brother? It's a like, nice wintry Sunday over here in England. I've been doing DIY all, right. all weekend after a week of having a cold. So, uh, yeah, You're feeling better? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm back to my best. I can start training again. I've kind of had a slack week, but, you know, that yeah. happens sometimes. How are did you, you put on a, Did you put on a few pounds <laughs> from uh, drinking and eating? No, you know, it, go, it always goes the other way from me. Like it, it does it, too, right? I, I lose weight quite quickly. I, I struggle to put on weight. So if I don't do weights and I don't work out, I start kind of right. like slimming down, well, which I don't like. You know what I get? Like, if I do everything right, work out, eat perfect, the weight just is very tough. And I don't really need I'm, I'm fine with where I'm at. But if I eat uh, buffalo wings and uh, French fries and drink beer, I lose weight like nothing. <laughs> so obviously, we've been doing something wrong. <laughs> That's right. That's so all, right. All this health nutrition shit is bullshit by the man. We've got a big show coming up in a few we, weeks with a, a top nutritionist who who works yeah, with one of the biggest UFC fighters in the world. So we we can right. sort out our u- nutrition issues then, Jim. And I can ask him about buffalo wings. Is that part of a healthy diet? That's right. Hey, we have the world famous, our boxing expert, <laughs> one, the only Doc Watson from Japan. Doc, how you doing, buddy? Hey, I'm good, boys. I'm good. How are you? I'm great. Good to see you, man. Always good to see you. Yeah, I have the same same issues as, as you guys. I just uh, I'm just wasting away here in Japan. Doesn't matter what I do, you know, the weight just keeps falling off. Really? Are you not eating right, or you just <laughs> is it the food? <laughs> Mate, I, you know, it's not eating enough of that sushi. I think so. Uh, yeah, I'm like you, mate. Okay. I can uh, I can plow on the chicken wings and the ice cream and the weight doesn't it doesn't That's go up. Great. Hey, the waist gets bigger but the weight doesn't go up <laughs> right right it's, it moves it around hey have you been <laughs> since you're there have you kind of got back to training i know this is um, you know getting your shit back together <laughs> uh, a little bit mate a little bit i've just started uh training at a boxing gym so a little bit i'd like to sort of say yeah i've properly got back on it but i haven't absolutely is this like a regular western boxing gym yeah, except it's fully Japanese. Like, no one there speaks any English. When no, I walk no, I... in, they sort of tip their heads towards me and say a few words. I generally don't know what they're saying. But, uh, you know, there's that sort of camaraderie and body language in a boxing gym that, that is why I love it. Cause <laughs> right, right. Even we can't are there, talk are there guys spar in there? I'm sure there are because they've got some pro fighters. So they, I'm sure they spar there. They've got a ring and everything, but I've not seen any right. yet. Um, yeah, one of the boys is actually fighting on the 1st of December. So uh, I'm going to try and find out, you know, when he's sparring so I can get down there and watch a bit of that. Well, and, you know, that's uh, pretty cool, too. Like, you guys you kind of train with or alongside, you get to see and potentially work out with. And go, hey, it's kind of, is this amateur or pro? Or you don't know? Pro, oh, they're, okay, they're, cool. I haven't seen any amateurs there. It's just a few pro fighters. And then there's All a right. few sort of... Awesome. Keep fitters like me, you know. Right. Well, the reason we have you on the show is because obviously you're our, our resident boxing expert, and we have there's you know some pretty interesting stuff coming up. One thing I want that we have you know an idea of topics, but real quick, I know we touched on it a couple of weeks ago with Nick Portella. The thought, and I just want to touch on like of the a Mayweather Khabib, and does anyone give a shit about that fight? I know, I know what I think you think. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I tell you what, I think I'd be more interested in that than uh, than what we are getting served up, which is Mayweather versus uh, Tenshin, this uh, young Japanese 
sort right. of prodigy kickboxer. Right. I think I'd be more interested in it, seeing him fight Khabib. This Mayweather uh, tension sounds, well, just sounds like a bit of a joke to me. I had looked at this guy. I actually went and uh, watched a bunch of his fights. He's a hell of a kickboxer. He does MMA. He's very charismatic. He, uh, there's no chance. In, if they do boxing rules, there's no chance whatsoever of him winning this fight. If they do kickboxing, of course, or MMA, um, I think there's really zero public interest. I even watched the press conference, and I got to tell you, it sucked. Uh, that just shows the brilliance of a McGregor in a press conference. Because right. <laughs> I, I couldn't stay away watching this press conference. Well, exactly, exactly. And I mean, the guy's what? Uh, he's about what three inches shorter than Mayweather. Maybe it's not quite that much, but he's a lot shorter. He fights at something like 121 pounds. You know, Mayweather. You know, he's fought up to like 154. Yeah. Is it 154? 155. Yeah. And obviously, you don't know what state Mayweather's in since he's been retired and all the rest of it. But the guy is a tiny kickboxer. I just couldn't believe it when, you know, I kept thinking, what are the rules going to be? Maybe it will just be like all kicks above the waist. I'm thinking there has to be kicks in there, surely, to make this credible. And no, it's a three-round boxing exhibition, but knockouts are allowed. It's an exhibition, Tom. There's not going to be a winner or a loser, although if someone gets knocked out, it's pretty obvious who won and who lost, but they're not going to announce a winner or a loser. It's not going to go on either fighter's record you know, in line with the sort of uh, of it being an exhibition. And, uh, you know, they're saying it's not going to be a sparring match. You know, it's a proper fight, but it's a three-round exhibition. Uh, but knockouts are allowed. And right. Tension is, is saying, I'm going to do the talking with my fists. I'm going to knock him out with one punch, which is frankly a bit ridiculous because he's about 30 pounds lighter than Mayweather. And he's not a boxer. Uh, he looks he's like not. a really good kickboxer. As you said, I've watched a couple of it. In fact, right. I think, in fact, he fought. It was either earlier today or yesterday. Um, he actually fought and, and knocked his opponent out pretty convincingly in the first round. He looks like a great kickboxer, but yeah. it's not kickboxing, is it? So it's a, it's a bit of a disappointment. So. Yeah, it, it is. And I got to tell you, and actually I was reading that. I read that Mayweather, it's not actually signed that. It still might fall apart, that they haven't determined all this stuff. Now, did you read that same information? Yeah, now? right. I, I think basically in the last 24 hours, Mayweather is saying he's back on and that he was uh -huh. misled. So that had led him to say, hey, you're dicking me around, it's off. But now, apparently, it's back on. You know, obviously, there's a hell of a lot of money floating around, so I'm sure he wants to pick up $80 million for, for nine yeah. minutes' worth. I mean, I got the appeal of a Mayweather-McGregor, or and I don't see the appeal of him versus Khabib, but... Why would he, he obviously doesn't need the money. And this is not even like, it's not like he's fighting top boxers. I'd be more interested in seeing, a, you know, one of the top few guys up there boxing. Why do you suppose he's doing this? Weird, isn't it? I mean, it'd be more it interesting if he was fighting the uh, the guy I was talking about on last month's show, you know, Inouye. Something like that would be, you know, because there'd be a big size difference. But at least Inouye would be this knockout artist, world champion boxer. I don't really get it. Engine is, is allegedly big news in Japan. Hey, look, I'm in Japan, right? And I'm not really hearing any fuss about it, but maybe there is a bit of a buzz about it that I'm not really picking up on yet, or maybe it'll pick I'm up not. closer to the time. Bit like Wild of Fury, right? When that fight was announced, I wasn't really that interested in it. Right. Uh, now, That's, all right. of a sudden, I've got really interested in it. I did too. The Fury Wilder fight. 
Tyson Fury, he is a he's a big bad dude. He's you know he is a twenty seven and zero. He's got nineteen KOs. And Deontay Wilder's forty and zero with thirty nine KOs. And I gotta tell, you, I think Fury's gonna give Wilder a hell of a run for his money. I think he might even beat him. That fight for me has just suddenly got really, really interesting. You guys have probably listened to it, but for the listeners, you know, you should definitely check out the interview that he did with Joe Rogan. That interview, and you can you can listen to it on a podcast. You can actually watch it on YouTube. So they're in the studio together. I've never heard Tyson Fury talk like that. You know, he actually he sounded mature. He sounded kind of very calm and sort of at peace with himself, which is not the Tyson Fury that we're used to, right? Throughout his career, he would turn up at press conferences dressed as Batman or, you know, you had no idea what, what was coming. But suddenly he sounds like he's, he's matured. He's got himself into a sort of good mental state. He's talking about, you know, wanting to raise awareness for mental health issues and all that sort of stuff. And he sounds serious, right? And the guy has lost about 10 stone in the lead up to this fight. So for me, it's got really interesting. I'm really excited about the fight. I still think that Wilder is going to win. But definitely when you sit there and you're listening to Fury and you're seeing snippets of him being trained and you're watching the interviews, you can imagine him doing it, right? Because he's he's a huge guy. He's not a big puncher. I don't see him knock him wilder out but he, you could see him like outboxing him and maybe putting on a clinic so uh, right i don't you think he can get in his head and he's so awkward that timing and how he pumps at a guy and the shit talking doesn't i think he may very well do it i i, I think he's got a good chance um I, in my humble opinion i think like he took klitschko out who seemed to be unbeatable at the time well he I nullified know. klitschko didn't he klitschko kind totally. of went into him and didn't really throw a, throw many punches. You know, don't know why, but assumably because he was getting sort of rat-a-tat-tat, you know, he was kind of getting caught by Fury, not getting nailed by big, clean shots. But when he tried to do something, Fury would, you know, hit him and hold him and move him and turn him. And he has that ability to kind of do that. And obviously Wilder is not, as we've discussed, he's not the best boxer by, no. <laughs> by any stretch. No. But what I do like about Wilder is... He's a trier. I see Wilder kind of, even if he's behind and he's losing rounds and he's swinging and missing, I see him like keep trying. He's very athletic, very explosive, and that right hand on him is is as lethal as well, it's probably the hardest punching heavyweight out there. To be, you know, I'll oh, say without a doubt. Right. Is he a one-trick pony though? I guess he is a bit because Fury sort of you know takes the piss out of him a little bit, saying he kind of walking around his right hand cock just looking to land that right hand so i suppose <laughs> to that extent he's like you know, he's like walking around like a robot with a sort of like right hand and you know you need a lot more than that to to beat fury fair enough but the thing with wilder is when he hits a guy or hurts a guy when he smells blood he goes for it i mean sometimes to his own detriment he trips over his own feet and he cuff you on the top of the head and the shoulder and he'll hit anything it's hard right to prepare for someone that just literally throws everything at you in an instant and so i think he looks like a bit of a one-trick pony when he's boxing but when he hits you and he hurts you he lets go with everything 
you know, that's not very orthodox and it's not the kind of stuff that they teach you in the gym. And so I think that make I think that makes Wilder pretty difficult. And he has not fought great people, but he's got 39 knockouts out of 40 fights. So you right. can't argue with that. You know, Jim, me and Doc Watson are going to go to Germany for the Klitschko Fury fight. And we had our tickets, our flights, and the tickets were really reasonable. And last minute, Klitschko gets injured, fight gets delayed a month. And of course, we thought we were going to go over and see Klitschko beat Fury quite comfortably. But we thought it would be good fun. And we went over there anyway, got pissed, had a right laugh. But little did we know that one month later, which we didn't go to the fight once it was rescheduled, uh, we would have seen Fury win an English heavyweight ch- world champion fight, which would have been brilliant. No one really gave him a chance. I mean, nothing that Fury had done before that fight really said to you that he could win that fight. And that's, that's the interesting thing as well. If you take away the Klitschko fight, what was Fury really done to sort of say he's the best heavyweight in the world and all these things nothing really he's never really looked that great you can definitely say you're impressed with his movement and his fluidity and the way he can kind of switch hit and put his hands together we all heard the stories that Emmanuel Stewart apparently said to uh, Vladimir Klitschko Fury could be the guy to beat he could be the you know one of the best ever sort of thing we've heard these things but we hadn't really seen anything prior to Klitschko. Right. Um, and obviously, we've certainly seen nothing since because he spent, you know, a couple of years out and then he's, you know, just had a couple of sort of comeback fights that were more like exhibitions. That all adds to the intrigue, in my opinion. Um, you know, we don't really know what we're going to get. I think it's going to be really interesting. I, I am looking forward to it. A lot of boxing fans enjoy the defensive side of the game, which doesn't always sort of get the, the kind of credit that it deserves. I mean, Mayweather's a defensive boxer... I would class Fury as a defensive boxer. People will call a lot of what he does the sort of, you know, the dirty side of the game, the tricks and all that kind of thing. But fundamentally, it comes down to not getting hit, not taking significant damage. What's both of you guys' view on, like, you know, do you want to see the purely the offensive guys like, you know, a Tyson try and knock him out in two rounds or, or that ability not to take damage, you know, to still be pretty boy Floyd after... 49 fights is impressive, isn't it? What's your, what's your guy's opinion? I mean, Floyd Mayweather, by a long way, is not, not my sort of favourite fighter, although I, I, I kind of appreciated his career and enjoyed watching him. I like the guys that can hit and not be hit. You know, and of course, we like to see a war every now and then, and we like to see, you know, a fighter take some shots and sort of show they've got a chin and, you know, come back and, yeah. and whatnot. You know, I enjoy very much both sides of it. Fury is quite defensive. I mean, he's got great reflexes and he's awkward and he can kind of slip shots and knows how to just like lean back a little bit and slip to the side just enough to make his opponent miss. It's not very pretty. You know, it's not like watching, it's not like watching Naz or Harold Bob McGrain or someone like Sugar Ray Leonard that could let off a flurry and then literally move a centimetre out of the way of a shot or if they wanted to, six inches out of the way of a shot. It's not like that, but no. Fury doesn't get hit clean very often. That's um, right, and that's a big prob- deal, my, by the way. But my, but my problem for Fury in this fight is that he does get tagged occasionally, um, yeah. and I think when that happens in this fight, he could be in trouble. And that might not come until later in the fight. It might not come until the second half of the fight, but... Um, you know, a lot of it's going to depend on what sort of shape he's in and, you know, how ready he is because physically he 
he looks quite good, right? We saw how fat he was, right? He was like 28 stone. And he was making a good old joke out of that. Yeah, right. No, and fair <laughs> plan. It's really, really, ins- I think it's really inspiring. And if he does this, it will be a phenomenal achievement, really. But, you know, what a guy, Jim, you, you must have seen this tons and tons of times. Physically, what a guy looks like doesn't always tell you how ready they really are. And so, Absolutely. obviously, Wilder, you know, whilst he's quite skinny for a heavyweight, has got a, you know, he's got a Good physique. He's very athletic, lean, ripped, and all the all all the rest of it. Fury may well get in the ring and still be a bit pudgy and a bit saggy, and he might be bang on fire. On the other hand, he might not. <laughs> he fought anyone right. for two. We just yeah, don't the know question about. is, you know, can can he get, for lack of a better term, can he get it up for this fight? You know, yeah, <laughs> which is a big deal. You haven't fought that competition, and, and okay. Can you do it? I, I have no idea. Um, if anyone could do it, it's it's an odd fighter like that. That awkwardness. You know what, you know what though, mate? He's um, listening to listening to him. Some of his interviews. I watched him. I watched him sat on the couch and had an interview of Michelle Joy Phelps, and then uh, that right. was really good. And obviously the Joe Rogan one. He sounds so together, and I hope that only works to his advantage. But I hope it doesn't work against him. And I, what I mean by that is, is that historically fury is so erratic that right. he doesn't know what he's going to do next his opponent doesn't can all kind of go a bit crazy and i think that worked in his favor but he had all these depressions and all those other things right now he sounds so together that i think you've got to think that he will be up for it and we you know mentally which is you know half the battle at least if not more he looks like his head is in a good place right yeah. Well, Wilder is the favorite with the bookies. Yeah. That's for sure. So I know that they had switched around earlier on, but Wilder, you know, Wilder probably win. I think Fury can certainly pull it out. I, I'd like to see him. I think he can. I, I'm actually going to predict that he throws Wilder off and messes with him. And, and it'll be a sloppy, boring, long fight, <laughs> but he might pull it out. What are your predictions on it, Doc? Could could well be. I can envisage a bit of an ugly, boring fight and Fury right. winning it on points. But I just think that Wilder is going to stop Fury somewhere. Right. God, I don't even know where. Somewhere in this fight. I think it could be early if it's clear that Fury's comeback thus far hasn't really prepared him. And he's not, you know, his, his timing and his sharpness and everything's not there. I think it goes early. I think if he's somewhere back to what he was, then I still think the Wilder's going to get to him, but I think it'll be in the second half of the fight. So somewhere maybe around the sort of seven to nine. But do you know what? My, my opinion keeps changing. I know that sounds really watery, but uh, I can see Fury fiddling his way to victory, but I was putting a bet on, which I probably won't, because the odds... Nah, not for it either. Not good enough for me. It would be Wilder. I guess Fury's worth 10 bucks because uh, he is yeah. the underdog. Trying to see right. him pulling it off. I would put ten bucks on him. Yeah, I wouldn't put anything more than that. That's for sure. Yeah. You know? On the guys that are kind of three, four, five to one underdogs, but when you've got that real inkling that they can pull it off, that, that's when it's worth. Now, do you think so? After this, let's uh, Wilder wins. Let's say right, whatever. Let's assume it's even decisive. How likely is it? Will he be, before he fights Joshua, is it, or do you think Joshua is actually avoiding him? Do you know, it's so confusing, isn't it? I just don't know. We keep hearing all these different things. And Wilder's obviously saying that they've given him the opportunity so many times. And 
they right. don't want it. And then Eddie Hearn kind of says, you know, the, the opposite back that, that it's Wilder's team that don't want it. Um, I don't think we're going to see that fight particularly soon. That's my gut feel. I think if Wilder wins, obviously I think the clamour for the fight is going to intensify and we're all going to really want to see it. But sure. I don't think we're going to see it. Uh, I know, which which is a big problem with boxing. Often you don't see that so much in MMA. Uh, the right. top guys usually fight the top guys are within reason. Of that in boxing, guys can't avoid each other because of all the different hands that are in the pot of gold and and frustrating. So often you don't see fighters fight for years after when they should have fought. You know, and that gets you exactly. pissed off as a fan. Like, why are they exactly. not fighting now? You know, because yeah, what exactly. if it because do- it doesn't happen now? Then who knows? Let's assume. Joshua loses somehow or decides not to box. They strip him of the title. And then they don't fight for two or three more years. Right. Exactly. Would- well, Joshua's next fight's in April. People are saying, oh, will it be Dylan White? Will it be Wilder? Getting slightly ahead of ourselves to, to say, will it be Dylan White? Because Dylan White's got to get past Derek Chisora first. And we can touch on that in a minute. But I don't think it will be Wilder. And then, you know, I, I just read today, Eddie Hearn starting to say that it could be a wild card. And they're talking about, you know, and there's, there's names flying around the, the big Chinese heavyweight, the, you know, the huge six foot seven Chinese guy whose name I'm not even going to attempt at. But, you know, so, <laughs> so none of us even know. And yeah. uh, I doubt if they even know, and they're just trying to sound up the interest. Do you think there should be a super heavyweight division? Pardon me? Uh, no. Bigger than heavyweight. Look, if you had Joe Frazier, Muhammad Ali, Fighting now at 207, 212, right? And now you got to fight a guy who's five inches taller than you and weighing 260 pounds. It's a huge yeah. difference. Well, yeah. Listen, I think if Muhammad Ali or Joe Frazier were active now, they would beat the shit out of everyone. I can't. Right. That, that, <laughs> I, I agree. And absolutely annihilate most of these guys, even. No doubt. You know. Wilders are six foot sevens. A few is are six foot nines. Even Frazier, who was, I think, what? Uh, how tall was Frazier? Five, five nine, five ten. Five, five, ten, something like that. Maybe. Even that size. But, you know, I guess you could argue that, uh, that the cruiserweight limit's been recently raised to 200 pounds. So I think that's pretty good. I think the cruiserweight division's got pretty interesting, hasn't it? Um, they're, they're big boys. If you saw Bellew versus uh, Usyk um, last week. I mean, yeah. they're big lads. They are not they are. small men, you know. They, they, are actually, they actually are, you know, mini heavyweights. You know, they're 200-pounders. That's pretty exciting. But no, I, I ask your question, mate. I don't think there should be a super heavyweight division. I think there's probably not enough guys quite that big to make it that interesting. And um, I think <laughs> if there was, probably end up, favoring the, the heavyweight division where the, where you've got the 230, 240 pounders. If the super heavyweights were, say, 250 plus, I don't know. That that Giral, big baby Miller, he'd be in there, wouldn't he? Christ, a lot of these. Where does that super heavyweight term come from then? Because I, I, I can recall that from my childhood as people saying, like, you know, he's a super heavyweight. I just think because they were so much bigger than everyone else. I, there was never a, a division for that. I mean, I don't know. Do you have a different thing on? I think in the Olympics they call it super heavyweight. Oh. Right, they do. It, it, right, right, but not in the pro division, right? So the weight divisions are, are different. For example, Scrat fights at 141 as an amateur, 
right? He's got a cut. He's got a f- real tough to get down to 141. He goes pro. He fights at 147, which does not exist in the amateur ranks. So he's growing and getting bigger, isn't he? Is right. He out, is he? Right, so the, there is a challenge. So that, and that, by the way, a difference between a hundred and forty-one pounder and a hundred and fifty-four pounder is huge. Yeah, right. I mean, they're much bigger dudes, and, and you don't think so till you see you hate, see these guys hit each other, hit the bags, and you go, "Shit, it's only ten pounds, maybe like whatever that is." Yeah, and it's huge. Matter of fact, last week on a side note, I had a guy supposed to fight at one seventy-eight. All right, his opponent came in at one ninety. Like some ridiculous thing. Now, we could have still had the fight. The guy we were supposed to fight had more experience, was three inches taller, and outweighed my guy by 14 pounds because we were within the 15-pound limit. And I, I turned it down. I said, no, come on, they could fight. Go fuck yourself, I believe was my yeah. the appropriate response. <laughs> yeah, I'm not Absolutely. serving my guy. Yeah, we came in. We did what was necessary. Speaking of scrap, can I, can I ask my Olympics question? <laughs> So, so yeah. no one seems to know much about this, but I heard about it in a, on a podcast, and they were saying, "But yeah, you do." Well, no, not really. But I'm going to ask you guys, and you'll probably know nothing about it either. But <laughs> there's a talk of boxing being taken out of the Olympics. Now, we've interviewed your boxer, Terence Kaufman, who's right, who, who uh, got bronze medal, didn't he, at the uh, Atlanta Olympics? And we've got Scrap, right. who's hoping to go to Tokyo in 2020, meet Dr. Watson, and bring back right. gold for America. So right. bring back Dr. Watson. From what <laughs> yeah. I've read, it's about sort of like the corruption and the fact that I think 35, 36 officials were sent home at the last Olympics. We had like the, the big. That's a lot. Yeah, of I think thing. it was Dan. Was it Dan Connolly or something like that? The Irish fella who had the a dodgy scoring stuff. So putting you guys on the spot. <laughs> Would you know much about that? Is it likely to happen? Are we still going to get to see boxing at the amateur level at the Olympics in 2020? I think we will. Um, uh, I'll let the doc answer a second. I've heard nothing of this speak. I'm very active in USA Boxing. Matter of fact, I was on the f- a phone just last week with the Olympic Committee in Colorado of the U.S. I just heard, haven't heard any talk at this level. So I, I don't know if there's any real concern of that really happening. They're still going forward with the Olympic trials and doing all the things necessary to get our team together to prepare for 2020 in Japan. So I haven't heard anything about it. I think it is just talk and I think it'll all work itself out. That's my humble opinion, but you know, anything can happen. And going answering the question about judges, judges are consistently incompetent on all levels of the fight game. And especially in the Olympics, because of the fact that look, if you're in North Korea and he tells you to allow the Korean fighter to win at, or he'll kill your family, what the fuck are you going to do? <laughs> you know, so that, that does happen all the time. Any sport that is left up to the judge's hands is obviously open for corruption on many levels. You know, yeah. that's all I got to say about that, as my friend Forrest says. <laughs> I'm with you, Tim. I'm with you, mate. I pretty much, you know, agree with everything there. I, I don't think it's going to get pulled, but I mean, that's just a gut feel because it's, you know, right. it's not like we'd be close to the ins and outs of what's going on. And apparently, the. Uh, the International Boxing Association sort of interim president, this uh, Gaffer Rakimov, and, <laughs> and allegedly he's, he's, he's running to get reinstated and it's likely that he's going to be unchallenged because there's nobody else that's, that in, shit job. that's in the mix. Apparently, although he de- denies it, you know, he's, uh, he's allegedly one of Kazakhstan's, you know, leading criminals. So <laughs> it sounds very good, wow. doesn't it? You know, 
It doesn't um, sound very good. No, that doesn't sound. That, sorry, Uzbekistan's leading. Uzbekistan. Right. Have you shot your guns in that country, uh, Tom? I have been there. I've been to both. <laughs> yeah. Drove right, that's there. funny. I know you like to go shoot things. That's funny. Well, yeah. I don't know. So, all right, let's get to our next fight. We got Garcia versus Spence. Man, I tell you what, an interesting fight. I mean, it is. Uh, Talking about weight divisions, Garcia. Well, Garcia's got to go from 135 to 147. Right, huge, right. huge, huge step. And Spence is a real sort of natural welterweight, isn't he? He's uh, he's tall. What is he? He's about five nine, I think. He's got really long reach. In fact, I was I was reading about this earlier. You know this. Uh, you know they call the ape index, which is like <laughs> I've never reach. heard. This. There's a thing called the ape index, and it's like yeah. the, your wingspan from fingertip to fingertip uh, in relation to your yeah. height. And so okay. there's a joke of it is if, if your arm span is shorter than your height, then, you know, you're like a T-Rex. And uh, <laughs> if your arm, span is, <laughs> your arm span is exactly the same as your height, then you, you might be asked if you could be painted by some Italians yeah. naked. Uh, it's like, okay, There'll be know, no Italians painting me anytime soon. <laughs> exactly. And then if your arm span is longer than you are tall, then you're sort of positive up on the ape index. And, and they say that, you know, it gives you a... You're a, a simian. A, advantage in sports like basketball, boxing, climbing, yeah. things like that. Sure. You know, notable boxers like Sonny Liston and Tommy Hearns and others, you know, had positive on the ape index, um, of which Errol Spence is. He's got really, really long arms. Wow. You know, when Mike Garcia is in there, a lot smaller, with a much, much shorter reach. Big challenge. And I like Garcia. You know, he's one of those guys that doesn't do anything like real flash, but he's just super composed, really Good across the boards, you know, he's got neat footwork, neat defense, neat combinations, got good power, but it's his composure in the ring that I really like. Can he do it? I, I don't know, man. It's a huge, huge step. He's already like a four-weight, I think, world champion. So, he's all, you know, he, yeah. he was obviously a fair bit smaller than he is today. He's come up to where he is. Now he's going up to 147. And I like Errol Spence as well. Spence is a, so you know, Spence is a great boxer. Tom, you probably would have watched him fight Kel Brook, you know, from the UK. You know, it was a competitive fight, but he got the job done pretty convincingly. So right. I think probably a step too far for Garcia. But um, I-, I watched a really, really good interview uh, on YouTube, Mikey Garcia and Ed Milet. I don't know if you, you, you know Ed Milet, but he's like a businessman entrepreneur. I think he was one of the top 50 richest in America at one stage, uh-huh. business people. And he's now kind of a social media star, does a lot of this performance enhancement stuff, you know, kind of seminars and talking to you about best out yourself. And he'd done an amazing interview with Garcia. Garcia's talking about his upbringing, uh, the struggle and strife that his parents went through to kind of get ahead. And his dad kind of opened this boxing gym and they, they were strawberry pickers, really, really poor. So that was a, Really, really interesting interview. And one of the things that Garcia talks about is he recognizes his own kind of limitations and he does things a bit differently. He said he's really into visualization. He visualizes the fight and his opponent throughout his whole training camp right up to the day of the fight. And I think quite correctly says that 
not a lot of other boxers do things like that. You know, I think a lot of probably fighters, true. I work with a lot of them, and I don't think they right. Well, they you know, they it. don't. They don't even want to really talk about their opponent, right? They're like, oh, fuck that. You know, he's got to worry about me. I'm just going to go in there and do my thing. Well, there is, there is a thought process, at least early on, because as an amateur, I do a lot of amateur, obviously, you don't always know who your opponent is. Great. So you can't worry about their style. Maybe you see them warming up in the corner and you can do the best job to discern what they might offer. Is he tall? Is he long? Looks like he's really popping those pads. Outside of that, there's nothing. So the thought process is to go in there and impose your will. You take over, you take charge. And you don't want to build your opponent up into being some monster that he's not, right? And boxing's a very Uh, tough sport mentally. And so for a lot of people, you know, to get through the, you know, the build up and the training and, you know, and get in there, they just kind of become a bit insular and focus on just on themselves. And I, I get that. I do like it. When, you know, when I hear about a fighter that says I study my opponent and I visualize and, I'm, you know, they're into that sports psychology side of it. And so, you know, I found that was pretty interesting. Right, right. I, you've got a last year a chance, but I, I think it's a step too far. How about other future fights coming up in the next, you know, six months? Anything, anything on catch your, uh, your eye? Well, I mean, I, I, I think, you know, immediately in, coming up on December 22nd is a rematch between Dylan White and Derek Chisora. I, I don't know sort of how much sort of well-known this would be in the US, but they fought two years ago, right? And it was one of the best heavyweight fights I've seen in a long time. They just went toe-to-toe for 12 rounds, just throwing bombs, shipping bombs right. off each other. Dylan White eked past on a, I think it was on a split decision. I thought maybe Tizora did enough, but, you know, you couldn't really argue it. So they've got a rematch on the 22nd of December. That's a fight that I'm really excited about before the end of the year. I think most people think Dylan White has improved immensely since and probably wins. But then again, Tizora's yeah. coming off the best win of his career when he knocked out Carlos Takam uh, recently. So, you know, I reckon that Tizora, if he turns up, might actually pull that off and then that yeah. sort of scuppers everything because obviously the talk at the moment is about White getting a rematch with Joshua so we've got that we've got the Garcia fight we've got you know the uh, the Mayweather farce at the end of the year if that happens <laughs> so it's those three fights really that, that immediately in front of us that I'm excited about All right. and now, uh, something I, I, I wanted to ask you now, boxing history I'm not there's no quiz today don't worry <laughs> and like the first show which you were brilliant on <laughs> Are you fascinated about boxing history? Do you ever read on it? Do you ever go back and watch old fights? Do you know what? I used to, not so much these days, but uh-huh. I, I used to be quite fascinated about it. And, you know, and I read quite a bit about the old timers and Muhammad right. Ali. And these days I, I, I don't so much. But, yeah, I mean, it's interesting, right? Um, and, it, and the great thing now is that pretty much any fight you want, you can just about watch on YouTube. Right, which is awesome, right? I, I'm a big fan of that. Like when Tyson, would, when he trained with Customato, he they had to pull out the 8mm camera, you know, and put it on the wall yeah. and watch that. And Tyson was a very, very schooled uh, boxer. And uh, I, I love doing that to the thing. And the reason I ask is I, I went today out of curiosity to see what happened this week in boxing history. And there's some pretty interesting things. You want to hear this shit, or or could you you, you not give a shit? All right, 1895, Joe Gans. You know, remember Joe Gans? Have you ever heard of this guy? Probably not, right? Yeah, he beat Griffo in in Baltimore, which is an interesting fight back in the day. Anyway, 
moving forward to today, this is November 18th, Manny Pacquiao KO'd Eric Morales in 2006, their first battle. Ooh, yeah. So that's a pretty a major fight. Yeah, right? maybe we should do that. We should have a little feature on the show for that. You know, what, what happened right. this day? This or day. This, right. This, this so I'll, I'll go this whole week and we'll figure about that for day. November 19th, that's tomorrow. Willie Pep defeated Chalky O'Right. Oh, Willie Pep, by the way, was one of the best defensive fighters in yeah. history. If you have the opportunity, go out and watch him on YouTube. I have his other real signed autograph from Willie Pep on my wall in the gym. He was fantastic. Unbelievable. Yeah. The, the movie, it was, he actually won an entire round without throwing a punch, which is pretty big. <laughs> exactly. Some people sort of say, well, you know, you're not really sure how. I, personally, for me, I could see myself potentially scoring a round for someone, you know, them not throwing a punch, but them just being in control and making the other right. guy miss. Well, but, there's three. It is a bit of a weird one, isn't it? <laughs> it is. Well, you have here it is. You're judged on effective aggressiveness, effective aggressiveness, not just running across the ring like a, a knucklehead throwing your hands, right? A ring generalship and defense. Mm. So he showed two of the three. But they're also subjective, aren't they? They're very. They I, when I watch boxing, there's a couple of things that for me personally, it's subjective, but a couple of things that stand out for me is one, I'm a big believer in patterns. So I think that when a fight starts, I look at the sort of pattern that's being set and the, the, the guy that's starting to get his rhythm. And so get who's the dictating hand. the fight? Yeah, because only the really the best fighters can make right. the adjustment. Not many fighters in truth. They all come and, you know, you hear, say, I've got a plan A, I've got a plan B. In reality, most fighters finish the fight the way they started out. The plan doesn't change a lot, but, the, you know, the great fighters can adjust. So I tend to look at the patterns, and, and if I see a pattern emerging, I think, right, this guy's, you know, going to win or this guy's going to lose, and eight times out of ten, it tends to work out. And then I look for, like, who's fighting the fight that they want? Now, it may not necessarily mean that they're dictating or, like, being super right. aggressive, but are they fighting their fight? And again, you know, it takes a great fighter to prevail when he's forced to fight against the way he wants. Right. No, no, no. You have to make those adjustments, right? So yeah, it was yeah, yeah. difficult. All right. So there, next, November 21st, uh, Max Vare. Uh, he died in 1959. Remember, Max, pretty, pretty prominent fighter back in the day. And by the way, a little yeah. trivia, Max Vare was the father of Max Bear Jr., who was Jetro. From the Beverly Hillbillies. Did you know that? No. Is, you didn't know that at all? That's common knowledge here in New Jersey. It's a funny show. You can probably catch it. Anyway, that's an interesting, useless fact. Okay, here's another one. November 22nd. Yeah. This day, uh, November 22nd, 1965, Ali KO'd Floyd Patterson. That's a big deal. Wow, yeah. And then this uh, November 26th, 22nd, 1986, Mike Tyson KO'd Trevor Burvick to win the oh, WBC nice. title to be the youngest heavyweight in the world at that time. Great fight here. When Burvick tried to get up, right? and he Oh, that was so classic. Like, you look I mean, a little dizzy, buddy. Yeah, I think he got up and went down three times. Never seen somebody try to get up so badly when as, as that. So I know, it was so funny. Before we wrap up, last week, obviously, we had the Bellu usig fight. Right. And uh, I wanted to touch on that. That was actually uh, 
quite an intriguing, captivating fight. If um, it, I'm not sure if you if you've seen it, but I hadn't I, seen it yet. I read it on it, but I hadn't. Seen might it. still be up on YouTube. Very interesting fight. You know, Bellew actually, I think, won probably the first three rounds. I, I would say he was ahead on scoring when he got knocked out. Yeah, he was. I mean, I don't think that was right. I've I, I think Usyk had taken over, and for me, I think Usyk was just up. I, I feel like that was. You know, sometimes you see these scorecards and you're like, what? And, you know, I'm not going to say it was terrible, but the, I feel like Belly won the first three. And then after that, Usyk won those rounds and was controlling things. But you were watching it and you're thinking, Jesus, can Belly pull this off? Because Usyk was kind of taking a little while to get going and Belly was actually landing some nice counter, nice counter right hands over um, Usyk's jab. You know, it was it was good, but obviously it was a pretty brutal KO. Belly was pretty much flat out, you know, head on the head, right. head hit. The... Did you see his interview, Watson? Well, I saw immediately after the fight when he obviously he put a lot of praise on Usyk, but you know, it was perhaps a little half. It was interesting to see that he he couldn't remember what had happened at all, really. So he said, "Did it get stopped? What round was it?" And it was like, "I didn't get stopped. You got knocked out." and I mean, I know those two terms can get confused sometimes. Yeah, sure. And he didn't know what round it happened. He asked the question several times, so he clearly, clearly got knocked out properly. Yeah, no, exactly. And he, he actually, uh, he, he wrote a guest column this week in Boxing News, and he, he talked about being kind of gutted because he said he actually just, he got really tired and felt he was really fit. All his stats and everything were up in his, for his training camp. And he just said he got really tired at the end. He didn't know why. And he said, you know, maybe it was because I was just in there with the best fighter I've ever faced. And that, and that kind of pressure that put him under with obviously being hit quite often. And sure. I think he remembered it. He said he could remember most of the fight, but, but not the knockout. But what, you know, what's interesting for me here is, is Usyk has made it very clear that his whole plan and the reason for fighting Bellew was is, is, is he wants to turn heavyweight and he wants to fight Anthony Joshua. And he believes that he can beat Anthony Joshua. And that is very, very interesting, right? Because Usyk is a supremely gifted fighter. I wonder if he might be a little bit overrated at this stage, but he could well prove us wrong on that in his next fight or two. He looks incredibly good, but can he be effective against, you know, the likes of Joshua? I don't know. He's a, you know, he's a 200 pounder. It almost goes back to your question earlier, Jim, about the super heavyweight. You know, should we have a super, super Fresh, heavyweight? Which you guys <laughs> dismissed. Right. Well, <laughs> I know. I, you know point that out. I know. Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> That's it. That's a wrap. But, um, you know, he's going to go up to heavy. Hollyfield did it. What? Where would Usyk come in at? Would he come in at like 212, 215? Him being much bigger than that. Although he's quite a big lad, but he's he's about six three. You know, there's been plenty of heavyweights that, that are about six three. But right. he's, he's going to be challenging to put going up a weight division like that, and then not naturally floating in that weight division is to put that on properly with the proper training and diet, which is an extraordinarily undertaking. Are you going to put on extra mass? for no reason, which is going to slow you down on so many different levels. So that's a problem. With today's knowledge and you get the right trainers, it can be done. But if it's done wrong, it just might be that he goes up a weight division and get a hell of an ass beaten by uh, Even if he does it 
correctly, and I suspect he will because he, he's obviously a consummate professional. So even if he comes in 2.15 in fantastic condition, the question right. is, is his skill set, is it so much better than an Anthony Joshua or Tyson Fury or Deontay Wilder that he can take away the fact that they've got the power and size over him? And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not so sure. I'm I think we have sure. to assume that he won't be following the uh, Jim McCann, you know, chicken wing diet. And uh... <laughs> <laughs> You might have to put the weight on, though, so maybe he will. So, well, no, it know. is a challenge because Tom and I, by the way, and other shows have talked about the fact that, you know, size and strength matters. I mean, I could just be a bigger, fatter guy, and that'll pose a problem for you, you know, on many levels. I mean, it does. I mean, that's why you've got the, you know, the weight divisions, and people think that five pounds or, or 10 pounds doesn't mean anything. It does mean it's something. shitload. It doesn't, doesn't mean that the guy who doesn't know what the hell he's doing is going to be a much smaller guy that's been trained in boxing or, or kickboxing or martial arts, whatever, because that, that's completely... Right different when you've got two trained guys wow when you have unified the division i guess the next challenge then becomes stepping up the weight otherwise all you do is just defend the belts right and he he probably is like right. you said he's by far the best belly who's for but he's probably by far the best in that division right now oh i, I think he's probably uh you know i think for me maybe holyfield's probably the the, the best cruiserweight of all time but he, he looks to be the real deal. I thought David Hay was a very, very good cruiser, Hay, right. cruise weight. But, um, he, you know, he looks really, really good. I mean, he pretty much cruised through that uh, World Boxing Super Series, you know, to, to unify those titles against, you know, some pig-hard cruiserweights. I don't know. You know, I personally, I, I find it difficult to imagine him toppling a Joshua, you know, which is the fight that they're talking about. But yeah, you never know. And I think the challenge, if I may step in, step in, is that if you're stuck at cruiserweight or light heavyweight, it's often no man's land. Yeah. But you yeah. know, it's divisions that no one seems to give a shit about. It's got a bit more interesting lately, isn't it, the cruiserweight? It has. I'm not denying that. I just think but, historically that's the case. But once you've beaten everyone, to, to Tom's point, once you've beaten everyone in that division and you've got all the belts, then, you know, what do you do? So uh, I'd say good on him. Move up. Have a few heavyweight fights, acclimatise, see how he does, and then um, you know see what happens. It's you know see how his body adjusts. And it all depends who's in that division. I mean, if if I picture my youth and there was like a load of great fighters at middleweight, you know Michael Watson, Nigel Benn, Chris Eubank, etc. If you had a load of great fighters in the cruiserweight division, then again that division becomes an amazing division. It's it's, it's not not defined by it's not defined by the weight as such. No, not not really. I think increasing the weight limit of the cruiserweight division to 200 pounds made it a bit more interesting because you know, they're a bit bit bigger and it just I don't know. It seems to have it seems to have, have got more interesting. You know, then you've got those guys like Roy Jones, Jude, Tunney, people like that, middleweights, super middleweights, light heavyweights. You know, in Roy Jones's case, he just he stepped up to heavyweight, didn't he, and beat John Ruiz. I um, can't remember what year that was, but he, he handedly beat. Ruiz. I mean, that was so impressive. I kind of wish he'd retired right after that. Just a note on Bellew, that was quite clearly his last fight. And I felt like I grew the most respect for him for doing it because he could have retired with a couple of belts. Thought, you know, this guy would beat me. He's decided to take on the fight. What was your view? Did it surprise you that he took that fight? Or 
and how do you like reflect upon his career? I wasn't really surprised that he took the fight, although I thought that he was going to lose. Um, I thought it was a big money fight and I thought, you know, good luck to him. His, his stock has risen tremendously in the last few years. And so, you know, have one more big money, big stadium fight. Uh, so I like that. Uh, I like the fact that he was willing to do it, you know what I mean, and go up against Usyk where he, he was a sizable betting underdog. Yeah, I mean, he's had, a, he's had a really good career. I mean, the guy is a, I think you'd say he's overachieved, really. When you, if you, you know, if, if you cast your mind back several years ago and you watched him going toe-to-toe with Nathan Cleverly at light heavyweight, 12 and a half stone, and then you saw him just recently standing in there as a heavyweight with David Hay. Pretty impressive. I mean, he got beat by Adonis Stevenson. He looks so weight-drained. If you actually look at Belly there, you don't even recognise him. He was, like, so skinny at a light heavyweight. The way he's come back from that, uh, obviously, he did the, uh, the Creed movie. He was pretty good in that. He stopped Rose. He beat David Hay twice. Admittedly, David Hay was hanging together like the Tin Man, but um, he still, <laughs> still beat him. And so, yeah, I think David, I think, um, I think Bellew's had a probably a way better career than he expected, and he's nothing but respect for it. Really, it's not to everyone's taste, but I quite like the guy. He's pretty cerebral, right. and uh, he tells it how it is. Right, yeah, good luck to him in, in his retirement. I, I hope he resists the lure to come back. You know, he's doing what most freshly retired boxers doing he's kind of saying look I want to fade into obscurity you know I just want to be normal and you know live the family life <laughs> that seems probably really appealing now three months time four months time or, or a little right. bit longer what his wife's asking to take out the trash <laughs> you got it <laughs> why I was the so fucking champ of the world you take out the trash I mean, he's, he's annihilated every box set on Netflix and Amazon Prime and you know he's like That's well right. uh, I need Back in the gym. So, back in the uh, gym. All right. Hey, Doc, thanks, man. Great show. A lot of good stuff we covered. I want to give a shout out to Alex Jimenez. He just won his fourth professional ice. This little guy, Alex Alejandro. Tom, you might get to meet him. He used to, he, I was in the gym when he first came in the gym. I worked with him a little. A good friend of mine, Mark Roxy, is uh, his manager and promoter. He just won his fourth fight. He's undefeated uh, pro. Uh, just good shout out there. This kid is a tough. Mexican fighter. So hopefully someday you'll see this kid doing something great. And he might find one of my shows in the near future. Anyway, I just want to give him a shout out. You can find us at primalradio.net. Doc Watson, buddy, always a pleasure. We will see you, I guess, next month. All right. Thanks, peace bro. out, everyone. You have been listening to Primal Radio in association with Primal Gym and Primal Promotions. Primal Radio is available on all good podcast venues. To help us grow, please subscribe, like it, share it, and leave us a great review.